0: It's time now for the complete story of public news and information feature of BOT Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's
1: the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich BOT, with today's complete story. All right, Rich, here we go. Uh, Thanksgiving is over. Wasn't that wonderful? Wasn't that a wonderful time? There's
0: so much to be thankful for. Yeah. And now we're looking forward... That's to exactly right. celebrating the birth of Jesus. My word,
1: because so many people are rushing to the stores and getting all excited, but where is the line to see Jesus? I want to get the Christmas season started with our BOT Radio Network family thinking about that. Where is the line to see Jesus? Christmas time was approaching
2: Snow is starting to fall Shoppers choosing their presents People filling the mall Children waiting for Santa With excitement and glee Little boy tucked my sweater Looked up and asked me
1: You know, Rich, I wanted to do this program early, early in the opening of the Christmas season, to get our audience to think maybe more deeply than they ever have before. What is Christmas actually but celebrating the birth of Christ? The little baby in the manger, there's so much to think about there. It was God himself that caused the Virgin Mary to conceive a child and that made the child God's son and living as a man on earth. Isn't that interesting how God chose Jesus, his son, To come to earth as an unborn child.
0: Fully God and fully man at the same time. You
1: missed my point. As an unborn child. Yes. Read your Bible, folks. It's recorded as an unborn child. But he was a child even before he was born. God chose that maybe to send a message. There's no doubt what it is to be pro-life. And this was the example. Now, here is a song that I've had in our archives for years and years. We all know that Jesus was the Son of God, and he was born of Mary. But what about his father's side as opposed to his mother's side? Hear this song and listen to it, folks. Mm -hmm.
2: Like... always been. Where are you from? On my mother's side. I'm from Bethlehem. But on on my my father's side, it's New Jerusalem. What's your plan? On my mother's side. side. In three days I'll arise, and I'll sit at my Father's side. And I can't help but wonder how Joseph must have felt Through an open door that day, he heard his son reply He said, you see, I'm the king of kings That's on my father's
3: side What's your name,
2: son? On my mother's side They call me a man,
3: you will. On my mother's
2: side. Now I'm 12 years. But on my father's side, I've just always been.
1: Where are you from?
2: On my mother's side. It's new Jerusalem What's your plan? on my mother's side I'll be crucified but on my father's side
1: a beautiful story so as we think about christmas you know rich it's gotten so that in parts of the country they don't even say merry christmas they forget whose birthday we celebrate when we say christmas that's what i want our listeners to really think about early in the christmas season now i don't know what church they go to I don't know what their denomination is. I don't know any of that. But I'm talking to individual, individual human beings, individual people. And they've got to understand that the story of Christ is a pro-life story. And I want you to think now because this program is going to be different maybe than what you've even heard in a church before. I'm, I'm sad to say that may be the case. Um, a good pastor, a good Bible preacher, a good Bible preacher, Why well, he certainly will understand this and he should preach it. But some don't. And people grow up and they've never been challenged. Now, there was a congressman from Illinois by the name of Congressman Henry Hyde. And he died November ninth, 2007, at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago, following complications from open-heart surgery. And he survived by his wife, and it was his second wife, and his four children. But Congressman Henry Hyde had a passion for pro-life, and he opposed killing unborn children. Isn't that something? And you're going to hear a speech that he gave on the floor of the House of Representatives. Uh, This had to have been—see, he died in 2007, so it probably was 2005, maybe earlier than that. But I want you folks to think— when have i heard a message in my church that nails it as much as he did and he was just a politician here it is
4: mr speaker i yield the balance of my time to the gentleman from illinois mr hyde chairman of the house judiciary committee the gentleman from illinois is recognized for 15 minutes I ask unanimous consent to revise and extend my remarks. Without objection. And I also beg the indulgence of my colleagues not to ask me to yield because I cannot and will not and I would appreciate the courtesy. I also want to say briefly that those who have charged us with politics, invidious politics, for delaying this ought to understand that Americans can't believe this practice exists. And it has taken months to educate the American people, and it'll take many more months to educate them as to the nature and extent of this horrible practice. That is one reason it has taken so long. Now, the law exists to protect the weak from the strong. That's why we're here. Mr. Speaker, in his classic novel, Crime and Punishment, Dostoevsky has his murderous protagonist, Raskolnikov, say, man can get used to anything, the beast, that we're even debating this issue, that we have to argue about the legality of an abortionist plunging a pair of scissors into the back of the tiny neck of a little child whose trunk arms and legs have already been delivered, and then suctioning out his brains only confirms Dostoevsky's harsh truth. We were told in committee by an attending nurse that the little arms and legs stop flailing and suddenly stiffen as the scissors is plunged in. People who say, I feel your pain, aren't referring to that little infant. What kind of people have we become that this procedure is even a matter for debate? Can't we draw the line at torture and baby torture at that If we can't, what's become of us? We're all incensed about ethnic cleansing. What about infant cleansing? There's no argument here about when human life begins. The child who's destroyed is unmistakably alive, unmistakably human, and unmistakably brutally destroyed. The justification for abortion has always been the claim that a woman can do with her own body what she will. Well, if you still believe that this four-fifths delivered little baby is a part of the woman's body, then I'm afraid your ignorance is invincible. I finally figured out why supporters of abortion on demand fight this infanticide ban tooth and claw, because for the first time since Roe v. Wade, the focus is on the baby, not the mother, not the woman, but the baby, and the harm that abortion inflicts on an unborn child, or in this instance, a four-fifths born child. That child, whom the advocates of abortion on demand have done everything in their power to make us ignore, to dehumanize, is as much a bearer of human rights as any member of this house. To deny those rights is more than a betrayal of a powerless individual. It betrays the central promise of America that there is in this land justice for all. The supporters of abortion on demand have exercised an amazing capacity for self-deception by detaching themselves from any sympathy whatsoever for the unborn child, and in doing so, they separate themselves from the instinct for justice that gave birth to this country. There's no moral, nor for that matter, medical justification for this barbaric assault on a partially born infant. Dr. Pamela Smith, Director of Medical Education in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Chicago's Mount Sinai Hospital, testified to that, as have many other doctors. C. Everett Koop, Dr. C. Everett Koop, the last credible Surgeon General that we had, was interviewed by the American Medical Association. In so doing, he cited several cases in which women were told these procedures were necessary to preserve their health and their ability to have future pregnancies. How would you characterize the claims being made in favor of the medical need for this procedure? Quoting Dr. Koop, question, in your practice as a pediatric surgeon, have you ever treated children? with any of the disabilities cited in this debate? Have you operated on children born with organs outside of their bodies? Answer, oh yes, indeed. I've done that many times. The prognosis is good. There are two common ways that children are born with organs outside of their body. One is an omphalocele, where the organs are out but still contained in the sac composed of the tissues of the umbilical cord. I have been repairing these since 1946. The other is when the sac is ruptured. That makes it a little more difficult. I don't know what the national mortality would be, but certainly more than half of those babies survive after surgery every once in a while you have other peculiar things such as the chest being wide open and the heart being outside the body and i have even replaced hearts back in the body and had children grow to adulthood question and live normal lives answer living normal lives in fact the first child i ever did with a huge omphalocele much bigger than her head went on to develop well and become the head nurse in my intensive care unit many years later. The abortionist, who is a principal perpetrator of these atrocities, Dr. Martin Haskell, has conceded that at least 80% of the partial birth abortions he performs are entirely elective. 80% are elective. And he admits to over 1,000 of these abortions, and that's some years ago. We're told about some extreme cases of malformed babies as though life is only for the privileged, the planned, and the perfect. Dr. James McMahon, the late Dr. James McMahon, listed nine such abortions he performed because the baby had a cleft lip. Many other physicians who care both about the mother and the unborn child have made it clear this is never a medical necessity, but it is a convenience for the abortionist It's a convenience for those who choose to abort late in pregnancy when it becomes difficult to dismember the unborn child in the womb. If there is one consistent commitment that has survived the twists and the turns of policy during this administration, it is an unshakable commitment to a legal regime of abortion on demand. Nothing is or will be done to make abortion rare no legislative or regulatory act will be allowed to impede the most permissive abortion license in the democratic world in his memoirs dwight eisenhower wrote about the loss of 1.2 million lives in world war ii and he said the loss of lives that might have otherwise been creatively lived scars the mind Of the civilized world. Mr. Speaker, our souls have been scarred by one and a half million abortions every year in this country. Our souls have so much scar tissue there isn't room for any more. And say, what do we mean by human dignity if we subject innocent children to brutal execution when they're almost born? We all hope and pray for death with dignity. Tell me what's dignified about a death caused by having a scissor stabbed into your neck so your brains can be sucked out. We've had long and bitter debates in this house about assault weapons. Those scissors and that suction machine are assault weapons, worse than any AK-47. You might miss with an AK-47. The doctor never misses with his assault weapon, I can assure you. It isn't just the babies that are dying for the lethal sin of being unwanted or being handicapped or malformed. We are dying, and not from the darkness, but from the cold. The coldness of self-brutalization that chills our sensibilities, deadens our conscience, and allows us to think of this unspeakable act as an act of compassion. If you vote to uphold this veto, if you vote to maintain the legality of a procedure that is revolting even to the most hardened heart, then please don't ever use the word compassion again. A word about anesthesia. Advocates of partial birth abortions tried to tell us the baby doesn't feel pain. The mother's anesthesia is transmitted to the baby. We took testimony from five of the country's top anesthesiologists, and they said this is impossible. That result would take so much anesthesia, it would kill the mother. By upholding this tragic veto, you join the network of complicity in supporting what is essentially a crime against humanity. For that little almost-born infant struggling to live is a member of the human family. And partial birth abortion is a lethal assault against the very idea of human rights and destroys along with a defenseless little baby the moral foundation of our democracy. Because democracy isn't, after all, a mere process. It assigns fundamental rights and values to each human being, the first of which is the inalienable right to life. One of the great errors of modern politics is our foolish attempt to separate our private consciences from our public acts, and it can't be done. At the end of the 20th century is the crowning achievement of our democracy to treat the weak, the powerless, the unwanted as things to be disposed of. If so, we haven't elevated justice. We've disgraced it. This isn't a debate about sectarian religious doctrine nor about policy options. This is a debate about our understanding of human dignity. What does it mean to be human? Our moment in history is marked by a mortal conflict between a culture of death and a culture of life. And today, here and now, we must choose sides. I'm not the least embarrassed to say that I believe one day each of us will be called upon to render an account for what we've done and, maybe more importantly, what we failed to do in our lifetime. And while I believe in a merciful God, I believe in a just God. And I would be terrified at the thought of having to explain at the final judgment why I stood unmoved while Herod's slaughter of the innocents was being reenacted here in my own country. This debate has been about an unspeakable horror. And while the details are graphic and grisly, it has been helpful for all of us to recognize the full brutality of what goes on in America's abortuaries day in and day out, week after week, year after year. We're not talking about abstractions here. We're talking about life and death at their most elemental. And we ought to face the truth of what we oppose or support stripped of all euphemisms. And the queen of all euphemisms is choice, as though you're choosing vanilla and chocolate instead of a dead baby or a live baby. Now we've talked so much about the grotesque. Permit me a word about beauty. We all have our own images of the beautiful, the face of a loved one, a dawn, a sunset, the evening star. I believe nothing in this world of wonders is more beautiful than the innocence of a child. Do you know what a child is? She's an opportunity for love. And a handicapped child is an even greater opportunity for love. Mr. Speaker, we risk our souls, we risk our humanity when we trifle with that innocence or demean it or brutalize it. We need more caring and less killing. Let the innocence of the unborn have the last word in this debate. Let their innocence appeal to what President Lincoln called the better angels of our nature. Let our votes prove Raskolnikov is wrong. There is something we will never get used to. Make it clear once again there is justice for all, even for the tiniest, most defenseless in this our land. And I yield back the balance of my time.
1: That was Congressman, former Congressman Henry Hyde, now deceased, on the floor of the House of Representatives, passionately pouring out his heart and and his feelings about what was happening then. And folks, it has only gotten more deeply ingrained into our society since that time. I'm asking the churches at the Christmas season, for goodness sake, to remember that God God gave us his son originally in the form of an unborn child and all the way through the process. And that's what we think about when we think about the baby Jesus born in a manger because things weren't all that good then either what say you, Rich?
0: Well, we need to protect innocent, unborn life. I love what he said, that choice is the queen of all euphemisms. It's not a choice between chocolate or vanilla. It's a live baby or a dead baby. We've got to get out of
1: here now. Uh, What is the phone number for people who want to come? Oh,
0: yes. We'd love to hear uh, from our listeners on our listener comment line. 1-800- 345-2621. 1-800- 345-2621. This
1: is Dick Bott with my son, Rich, uh, with this chapter, The Complete story, by the way, as a public service this Christmas season. See you later.
0: Merry Christmas.